Welcome to another Inside Line podcast. You are listening to a show dedicated to discussing actual cases. Dr. Daniel Cameron has been treating adolescent and adults for more than 30 years. He feels that the best way to get to know Lyme disease is through reviewed actual cases. Please remember that the advice given is general and not intended as specific advice as to any particular patient. If you require specific advice, then please seek that advice from an experienced professional. Now, please welcome Dr. Daniel Cameron. Hello and welcome to another Inside Lyme podcast. I will be discussing a 25-year-old man with transverse myelitis and Lyme disease. This case was first discussed by Dumac and colleagues in the journal ID Cases in 2019. Quote, a previously healthy 25-year-old man presented with inability to urinate and frequent falls associated with bilateral lower extremity weakness and numbness, wrote the authors. Now, two weeks earlier, he had described a red circumferential rash. The rash was maybe 10 centimeters in diameter, which is about 4 inches. CDC only requires a 5 centimeter in diameter rash, which is about 2 inches, to diagnose Lyme disease. He lived in Wisconsin with extensive exposure to ticks. He lived next to the woods, hiked, camped, and fished, and had two dogs. He had no recent history of a tick bite. He also developed a mild intermittent headache, mild neck stiffness, and thought he had a fever. Flu-like symptoms have been commonly reported in Lyme disease, especially in early Lyme. Did he get treated for Lyme disease? No. The rash disappeared within a week without treatment. Erythema migraine's rash of Lyme disease often clears without treatment. His condition took a turn for the worse. Five days prior to admission, he developed urinary retention, as well as progressive numbness and weakness in his lower extremities, wrote the authors. In urinary retention, you can't urinate. He was also not able to move his bowels. His sensory deficit progressed. He started with left foot numbness in the upper thorax, below the nipple line, and below the shoulder blades, wrote the authors. He began to fall due to weakness of both legs and problems with his gait. His physical examination showed several findings. He had the weakness of both legs. He also had mild spasticity in both knees, increased reflexes in his knees, a diminished sensation in his legs, and a Babinski sign in his left foot. A positive Babinski sign occurs when a doctor stimulates the bottom of the foot. Big toe bends up and back to the top of the foot, and the other toe is fan out. This can mean there is some problem with the nervous system. He had evidence suggestive of myelitis on an MRI. He had multiple areas in the cervical and thoracic spine that showed hyperintensities. They used the the hyperintensities to indicate myelitis. Myelitis means inflammation of the spinal cord. He had strong evidence of an inflammatory process in his spinal fluid. Pleocytosis is a condition where you have multiple white cells in the spinal fluid. His antibody test for Lyme disease was negative. His PCR, which is a DNA-based test for Lyme disease, was positive. They were able to confirm PCR tests were positive for Lyme disease using a molecular detection test at the Mayo Medical Laboratory. He was diagnosed and treated for acute transverse myelitis. 
The man's motor, sensory, and autonomic dysfunction were typical of acute transverse myelitis. Autonomic dysfunction is part of the nervous system that regulates internal organs, such as the heart, stomach, and intestines. The autonomic nervous system is composed of the sympathetic and parasympathetic system. It has been called the fight-or-flight response. The man was unable to control his bowels and bladders, presumably from autonomic dysfunction. So what happened to the man? He was treated for Lyme disease with IV ceftriaxone. He was treated with an intravenous antiviral medicine, acyclovir, for two days until his spinal tap PCR showed Lyme disease. Finally, he was also treated with high-dose methylprednisolone for three days. Quote, he showed gradual improvements in gait, motor, and sensory function of his lower extremities, along with a resolution of his neurogenic bladder, writes the authors. The authors added, he continued to need intermittent self-catheterization for his neurogenic bladder. This is not the first case of transverse myelitis and Lyme disease, according to the authors. Their search revealed six other cases of neurologic Lyme disease associated with acute transverse myelitis. So what can we learn from this case? Transverse myelitis can occur in Lyme, although rare. The spinal tap in Lyme disease can present with a high white count, also called pleocytosis, and still have a negative antibody test. A positive PCR test was able to confirm Lyme disease in this patient. Man's acute transverse myelitis and Lyme disease improved with antibiotic treatment. What questions does this case raise? How often does transverse myelitis occur in Lyme disease? I think it's very rare, but that's important to keep under consideration. Would the man have been treated for Lyme disease if the PCR test at the Mayo had been negative? I think a lot of doctors are reluctant to use clinical judgment for Lyme disease. They're at risk of missing these kind of cases. Would the man no longer need intermittent self-catheterization for a neurogenic bladder? Would the man no longer need intermittent self-catheterization for a neurogenic bladder if you were treated with more than a single one-month course of intravenous ceftriaxone? I find in my practice that if someone is still sick, the treatment with some other antibiotic might be appropriate, and the clinical trials are still uh, flawed. So I have to use clinical judgment for these kind of cases. Were there other autonomic issues not described by the authors? There's always a multiple issues related to the heart, the gut, and the bladder that I've seen in my practice. Many patients are complex, as highlighted in this Inside Line podcast series. We need more doctors with skills recognizing a tick-borne illness in an individual with acute transverse myelitis and Lyme disease. We hope that professionals evaluating individuals with acute transverse myelitis can use this case to remind them to look for tick-borne illnesses and treat accordingly. And thank you for joining me for this Inside Lyme podcast. Thank you for listening to another Inside Lyme podcast, a show dedicated to discussing actual cases. Keep in mind, the notes for this episode and all episodes can be found on our website at danielcameronmd.com. Sign up for our newsletter to keep up with our cases. As always, it is your likes, comments, and shares that help spread the word about this podcast and our work. If you can, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Until next time on Inside Lime.